Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Amen, amen, amen. We have a God who is more than enough. Amen? Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Hope Elam, it is so good to be with you this morning. My name's John, one of the pastors here, and I just want to say this, that whatever you brought with you this morning, whatever is in your hands, bring it to him. Bring it to him. Whatever you brought, whatever's in your hands, whether that's some anxiety today, whether that's some stress or fear about the future, whether that's pain or sorrow or maybe even apathy or indifference because somebody drug you here today and you'd rather be somewhere else. Maybe you've got some joy. Whatever you've got today, bring it. Whatever you've got, bring it to him because we have a God that is more than enough, that always provides, and when we take whatever we have, Whatever you brought with you this morning and you put it in his hands, he is always more than enough. He's done it before and he'll do it again. Amen? This is the God that we have. If you would, everybody say it's time. Oh, say it like you've had your caffeine this morning. Say it like you're the 11 o'clock service. Say it's time. It's time. These are powerful words if you think about it, words that move us to action, that call us up and out of wherever we are. And when you hear those words, it's time, the time to act is now. Maybe those words have been a part of some defining moments of your life, of your story. Maybe you remember when you were finally interviewing for that job you really wanted and you were out in the waiting room and the interviewer came out and said, okay, we're ready for you, it's time. Maybe you were in the pre-op room or a loved one was and getting ready to go in for a procedure and you've been dreading this for months and finally the nurse comes out and says, okay, it's time. Maybe husbands, you remember when your wife was very close and to uh, expecting and she yelled, not said, but she yelled at you, honey, it's time, we're going to the hospital, right? Maybe you remember that moment as war, that moment is coming up for you. If you are into sports, you know there's that moment in the locker room where the coach gathers everybody around or they're ready to run out on the courts or the field and all the practice and all the prep is done and they say, okay, it's almost game time. It is time. It is time to play. It's time. Those are powerful words when you think about it. It's not just words, but it calls you into something bigger, into what's happening because time for sure is not slowing down anytime soon. I don't know about you, but I've always been intrigued by, by these, these hourglasses. I got this one. It's not a very fancy one because I knew I'd break it, and so this is a cheaper one. But you get the point. I don't know about you, but these are powerful commentaries and pictures of our lives. And the sand just falls through, and sand isn't slowing down for any of us. And no, that is not the timer for my sermon, so stop watching it uh, in that way. <laughs> 
But we all have a certain amount of time, we all have a certain amount of sand in our lives, and time is not slowing down, it keeps going on. And I don't know if you've had this moment yet in your life, or maybe you're just bouncing from meeting to meeting and event to event and shuttling your kids around, and and you're always running around and staying really busy and trying to keep up with everybody. And the primary question in this season of your life that you're asking is, oh man, I hope I'm not late. What time is it? And yet at some point in our lives, I believe that we're called to make a shift to a much bigger and much more important question from what time is it to, God, what are you calling me to do with the time that I have left, with the time that you've given to me? What are you calling me to do before the time runs out? And I don't even get all morbid on you this morning, but we all have, that's the reality of our lives. And why is that important so we don't miss what matters most. I came across a, a survey uh, recently of, uh, they, they interviewed a bunch of people that were in the final leg of their journey, elderly folks. They went to hospitals, they went to assisted living facilities, they even went to some hospice homes and talked to people that only had a few years, if not a few months or a few weeks to live. They're interviewing people in their 80s, 90s, and even older, and they did this huge interview, a research study of thousands of elderly folks, and they asked them this question. If you had to do it all over again, if you could go back or if you could talk to your 20-something self right now, your teenage self, if you could do it all over again, what would you do different? What words of advice would you have? And there's a variety of answers and a whole bunch of them. I'm not going to read all of them for you, but a few interesting ones that I just wanted to pull out to share with you. The first one is this. There is a a consensus. I wouldn't have been in such a hurry all the time. Another one was this. I would have forgiven a lot quicker and spent a lot less time being bitter, holding grudges. This one was not in the top five, but it was on the list. One 94-year-old gentleman said this, if I had some words of wisdom, forget the diet fads, I would have eaten more milkshakes, is what he said. (laughs) So consider that a word from the Lord for you this morning. You want to know what the top answer was? Not exactly these words, but a whole bunch, thousands on this theme. The number one thing that they would pass on I would spend more time on things that would somehow live on after I was gone. That somehow I just got so focused and I got tunnel vision on making it day to day and all of the things that everybody else, all the voices of the world say, that's most important. And then you get to the end of your life and you realize maybe I missed the most important things. Do you know that you don't have to wait to the end to consider your sand? You don't have to wait till you get to the end and all the would have, should have, could have. You can have that moment with your creator right now and say, God, what have you called me to do to make an impact? And that is what we have been challenging you to do over these last several weeks. Today, as Pastor Brian said, is Commitment Sunday. This is the finale of our Shining the Light Together campaign. It has been an incredible journey. And you may not know this, but leading up to this, even a month before we started, there was a volunteer team, there is, that's working right now on this of close to 50 people that has been leading this campaign behind the scenes. Can we give God praise for our campaign team? It's incredible. 
Yes, and I know there's churches and organizations that spend thousands of dollars and hire a professional firm to do all that and, and all of that, but we have an incredibly talented team. The people that led this campaign are you. They're the people sitting around you today. They're committed servant leaders in this congregation. And although this is a two-year campaign and you can certainly give any time, we're not going to turn your gift away, today is Commitment Sunday. It's a day that we put a stake in the ground as a church and we say we're going to take whatever is in our hands, whatever you brought, whatever you have, even if you didn't bring it, even if it's in your bank account, you can still bring it, whatever is in your hands, your time, your talent, your treasure, and bring it to God. And that's been our challenge to you is simply this. Pray about it. It's between you and God. Pray about it. Listen. Not to what anybody else says or what any pastor says. Listen to what your creator says. The one who's speaking to you every single day if we would open our ears and then respond in obedience. Respond giving sacrificially and generously to what God wants to do. Every gift is going to be different, whether it's financial or not. Every gift is different, but every gift matters to God. And so at the end of the service, we're going to have a special processional offering where you're going to come and you're going to bring your gifts to God, to bring him our very best. If you got it, say, it's time. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say, it's time. It's time. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 1. We're going to bounce all over the place today. We're going to do some Bible study today. Mark chapter 1, Jesus is beginning his ministry, and Jesus essentially says the exact same thing. He says, it's time. Jesus is giving sort of his um, mission statement for his ministry, and he comes across, and we read that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Let's pick it up here with the yellow. Read it nice and loud with me up on the screen. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Everybody say it's time. Now that word time there in Mark chapter 1 and many other places throughout the New Testament is the Greek word kairos. Say kairos. Kairos or kairos depending on how you want to say it. Kairos is different than other Greek words for time. The other Greek word for time is chronos. Say chronos. Chronos is where we get the English word chronological, a time that has a beginning and end, but kairos is a little bit different. Kairos is a moment when God breaks into human history, when God breaks into time with a breakthrough moment. I want to give you a picture of that, an image of that this morning. I don't know how this ended up here, but I just, I don't know. I happen to have a, oh, about a hundred foot rope here. And look at Minister Bonnie is ready to rope some cattle. No, she's not. She's ready to receive, receive the rope, so I'm going to toss that over. We rehearsed that many times. Man, there's a lot of time in our lives. There's time that goes on ahead of us. There's time that goes on before us, but it sort of forms a timeline to our lives. There's things that came before. There's things that came after. This would be chronos or chronological time. Your life has a beginning and your life has an end. And what we are talking about today with my handy little marker, is that there are moments in our lives, and today is one of them. This campaign is one of them, that are kairos moments. Kairos is defined as the right or opportune time. And when that kairos moment happens in your life, you may not recognize it in the scope of the history of your life, but kairos moments do not leave us the same. 
When God breaks into our lives, we cannot stay the same. And that moment, right now, right here, today, cannot leave you the same. And I want you to get that image engraved in your heart and your mind. That today is that moment where God wants to break through and do something in your life that he's never done before. It's not just business as usual. It's not just chronological time and I'm going to try to make it through another day. God has something for you today. Amen? Amen? So we're just going to let that go and leave that mental picture with you of the the chronology of your life. There is a sense of urgency when we experience these moments where God is calling out to us, these kairos moments, similar to the sense of urgency that this picture we've tried to paint for you of some of these capital projects, the reason that we're doing this campaign. And we, Pastor Brian and I kind of walked through it last week, but we know there's many people that are new and we want everybody to catch the vision. What would it look like if not just half of our building had air conditioning? What would it look like if the students and the children that we serve and the mission partners that we house here did not sweat their way through four months out of the year, that they could actually learn in a safe, acceptable environment? They deserve better than what we have. Over half of our building does not have air conditioning. What would it look like for us to not just get one, but two new, but I don't even care if they're news, used as long as they can drive people places, buses to get people that want to come here, here. Nobody that should be without an opportunity to come and engage here at Hope Elam. Not just that, but all five floors that God is using now, filling up. This is a 24-7 community center, and there are some large-scale mechanical things that are going on with our elevators, with our plumbing, with the basement that need to be addressed that have been deferred maintenance for several decades now, and God is calling us to be a good steward of what he's given to us. You would do it for your own home. How much more with God's house? Amen? I don't know, I don't know about you, but food is a big deal around here. It's like Jesus, praising the Lord, and food in that order here at Hope Elam. We love food, and that kitchen was designed not to serve over 600 people a week. It's stuck somewhere in the 70s, I think, and we love it, and we're making the best use of it that we can, but we believe that God wants to grow that ministry. We believe that we want to feed even more people in the neighborhood, and to do that, there are some major upgrades in that kitchen that we want to bless our team with as well. And certainly, last but not least, there are some things here in the worship center that are just kind of putzing along a little bit, and we have a vision to do so much more in terms of multicultural worship, and we've maxed out our current capacity of audio and video uh, equipment And in order to do what we believe God's called us to do, what would it look like if we had a choir up here singing behind the worship team, right? And what would it look like, what would it look like if a year, two, three, five years from now, there was multiple services going on at Hope Elam in multiple different languages every single week? Now that would be something to aspire to, amen? But in order to do that, we can't stay where we are. We have to move forward. We have to make those upgrades, and that's what we're inviting you into, why we're having that special offering today. Everybody say, it's time. It's time. And so we've set those goals. If you go to the next slide, we've set those goals, a victory goal of $1 million, a dream goal of 1.5, a miracle goal of 2.5. You might look at that and say, man, you guys are crazy, right? You are not just giving to some projects. You are not just giving to a campaign. You are helping build a lighthouse 
in the heart of Des Moines for generations to come to experience the light and the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. I cannot think of anything more important than that. Amen? That's what we're after today. And that's why we're not kind of, not just kind of tiptoeing around it and saying, well, you know, if you feel like it, and I'm kind of obligated to say this because we're your pastors and every church just kind of, you know, rails on them. Every church is in it for the money. No, we're not. We're in it for your hearts. And we're unapologetically competing for that because we believe that this vision is worth going all in for. Amen? And we're not going to apologize for it. And we're not going to kind of belittle it and dumb it down in any way. It's worth it. It's worth it. Because I don't want to get interviewed when I'm 94 and say, I missed it. There was a moment on my timeline and I missed it. Because I thought something else was more important than making heaven crowded for eternity. Don't miss it. And you might, don't be mistaken, this vision of us being a lighthouse is nothing new. We don't have some brilliant marketing team. We have an amazing communications team, but a marketing firm didn't come in and say, you should have it be shining the light together with a lighthouse. Actually, you know what? We just went to Isaiah chapter 60 in our Bible reading today, and it just popped out to us right there. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 60, and we're going to hang out. We're going to go old school for a second in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 60, it's a big book that is packed with power. To give you a little bit of context, God's people have just been in exile. The Babylonian exile was a little over 70 years, spanning generations of God's people, Israel, and they are finally coming back now to their land, to their city, and it is in ruins. It is nothing like it was when their ancestors were there. They're coming back, and it is destroyed because of the war, because of famine, because of all the destruction that's taken place. And they're sitting there going, God, where are you? Don't you care? This is nothing like it used to be. And of all the responses that God could have, yes, God could, oh man, yep, you know what? That's my judgment. Certainly was. He could have taken it out on him even more. He couldn't even allow him to come back to the promised land. God could have just kept judging them with anger and wrath. Watch what God does instead in verses 1 through 3. He speaks to them in the middle of their mess and he says, arise Jerusalem. Wake up. Wake up from your slumber. Arise. Wake up so you don't miss it, what I'm about to do. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. God is ready to shine his light on you. Don't hide from it this morning. Step into it is what he's saying to God's people. Darkness as black as night covers the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises to appear over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will see your radiance. If I'm one of God's people, I'm saying, yeah, right. Because I don't see any of that. But we have a God who calls what is by what will be. And God speaks a prophetic word over them that moment. And he says, this right here is the right time. This is a Kairos moment. I know that your life is a mess. I know that you disobeyed. I know that you ran away. But my original call on you, your identity, is to be a light for the nations. And I'm not done with you yet. Amen? Some of you are like, great for the Old Testament. God says to us this morning, arise, hope you Wake up. 
It is time to step into your potential and shine your light. I know that you live in a world at war. I know that the city is dark and it's filled with anger and hatred and violence and injustice and racism. I know that. I know that you are not all that you will be yet as a church. But I am speaking a prophetic word over you today. God says, you have been called to be a lighthouse. Arise and shine. Amen? This is what I created you to be. God speaks that over us today. It's time to step into our potential. God says, I don't just see a little three-year-old church. I don't just see a little church service that you happen to wander in for the first time today and you're just kind of checking it out. God says, I see a movement. I see a move of God that is going to turn this city upside down for the kingdom of God. And the only thing for us to decide is, are we going to be a part of it? When you join a church, you don't attend an event. You jump on board a moving train. That God is on a mission. And he's asking you to join him in what he's already doing in this city. This is that moment to arise and let your light shine. Look at verse 22. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. Look at verse 22. The smallest family will become a thousand people. And the tiniest group will become a mighty nation at the right time. What time? The right time. I, the Lord, will make it happen. At the right time. At this time. At the Kairos time. I, the Lord, will make it happen. And the only question for us is, are you going to get on board with that? What will you do with the time that you have been given with your sand before it's too late, with your dash. The other thing I want you to notice about this rope, and I lift that up, and I got the hundred footer. I could have got a thousand footer, and it could run all the way through the church and out those doors. But what you may notice, if as time is moving that way, there's a whole lot of time that came before this moment. There's a whole lot of timeline there. I don't know if you've ever noticed this out on the 25th side of our church. There is a cornerstone out there from a building that says 1888. A few years ago. If you were around then, I'd love to connect with you after the service. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Just sit down with you for a little bit. There were some men and women that planted seeds of faith. That when this was the suburbs, this was the outskirts of Des Moines and nobody lived around here, they said, we're going to put a church at the corner of 25th and University where some of you just had breakfast. Right there on that corner. There were seeds of faith that were planted that we are now reaping a harvest of in this moment. And I don't know about you, but I can say thank God that they were thinking of us. In 1888, that maybe God wanted to move in this city, that it was something bigger. I'm so glad that they invested in this. I'm so glad that they gave generously and sacrificially. Can you imagine? So now let's go to the other end of the timeline. Can you imagine 25, 50, 100 years from now, our kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, whoever is sifting through the archives of Hope Elam? I mean, we're still going. We're, we're still going strong. Most of us aren't here, but they're looking through. They're not going to be in black and white. It just looked cool. That's why I did that. And they're looking through. What will be said of us? Oh, that, that was in style? Wow, these are some weird-looking people. I don't know. It is my deepest prayer that they would not say, 
wow, they had some great worship services. Wow, they, they really talked a good game about impacting the city and being a lighthouse, but they never quite got around to it. What will be said of us? I pray that they will say, thank God that there were some people back in 2023 that had the audacity to believe that God can do anything. And they stepped out in faith. They didn't just sit around and talk about it or come to a worship service and get some warm fuzzies. They believe that the church is not an event that you attend. It's a mission that you join. And I don't want you to miss out on what's right in front of you this morning. The most important thing that you could ever be a part of, and that's bringing heaven to earth right here in Des Moines. Don't miss what's right in front of you. I would imagine that those people 100 years from now could say, man, if only I could go back and tell those people in 2023, God did something beyond their wildest dreams. And if I could make it just really personal for a moment, a couple of these kids that were dancing before you this morning, those are my kiddos. And I think about this often as they look back and watch their dad and Preacher Brown, as they call him, <laughs> lead this church. Wow, dad, you did a lot of stuff at the church. What was the point of all that? I want them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there were seeds of faith planted in 2023 that they are going to see mighty oak trees grow for years to come. That they would say... My dad wasn't afraid to take some risks. There was a whole bunch of people that believed so much we didn't just talk the talk, we walked the talk. God wants to do something through all of us because this is not just a building, it's a church home. And it is a place where either you or your kids or your great-grandkids have been baptized or will be baptized, will be confirmed, will graduate, will be healed, addictions broken, People are going to find jobs. People are going to find a genuine sense of connection for the very first time. People's lives are going to be changed for eternity in this place. It's so much more than bricks and mortar. And I hope that they say there was people that brought what they had. This is so much bigger than a campaign. This is an opportunity to join in God's mission. And the story of the Bible is God calling out to people over and over and over again that whatever you've got, bring it. Whatever you've got, bring it and put it in my hands. I remember in high school, our basketball coach would gather us together in the locker room as I talked about, and after all the preparation, we'd put our hands in. He said, gentlemen, whatever you've got, bring it. Whatever you've got, bring it. Whatever you've got, bring it. Not what they've got, not what you brought before, but whatever you've got in your hands right now, bring it. And it turns out that the Bible is one story after another of God calling out to people to trust that whatever they had in their hands was enough. Go all the way back to Exodus 4. Moses is meeting God there by the burning bush, and God has called out to him and said, Moses, I need you to go to the mighty Pharaoh, to the evil Pharaoh, and set my people free from years of slavery. Moses is like, yeah, right. I, I'm not very good at speaking. I don't, I don't have what it takes. I don't have everything that I need. And he's just complaining. He said, well, what if they don't listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? And then the Lord said to Moses, oh, that's okay. I'll let it slide. No, he didn't. He said, hey, Moses, what you got? What do you have? What's in your, oh, it's just my staff. It's just my staff. 
God says, throw it on the ground, turns to a snake, says, do it again, turns back into a staff. And you know the rest of the story is that that staff became a tool for miracles down the road. God looks at Moses and says, whatever you got, bring it. Whatever you got, bring it. That was Moses, but it doesn't end there. We go to David. We've got a little shepherd boy that's bringing some sack lunches to his brothers at the front lines as they're fighting the mighty Philistines. And there's a giant named Goliath. And so they think, oh, uh, David will do it. And they well, well, David, if you're going to go face the giant, then we got to give you some of Saul's armor, the king at the time. And so they give him a bunch of armor, and it doesn't fit, and it's just not him. And David responds, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. In other words, they're not mine, and I don't want you to miss this. God didn't ask David to bring somebody else's gifts. God asked David to bring what he had, to bring his gifts. Amen? And he does. And so God says to David, well, what do you got? And David's like, well, you know, in my free time, I kill lions with a slingshot. And God says, perfect, bring that. Five smooth stones, didn't even need five, needed one. One slingshot, one shot to the forehead, and the giant goes down. Amen? God says, what do you got? Bring it. Whatever you've got, bring it. It doesn't end there. Let's skip ahead to the New Testament. Jesus is preaching to the multitudes. 5,000, if not with women and children, 10,000. And the disciples are freaking out because there's no fast food around. They are way out, and how are we going to feed all of these people? And what does Jesus respond? Oh, yeah, we'll just let them go. No, he doesn't say that. He looks at the disciples and says, you give them something. Oh, we don't have any food, Jesus. Oh, you feed them. How are we going to do that? And Jesus says, well, what do you have? How many loaves do you have? And the disciples look around like, well, not that it matters, but this little kid brought a Lunchable. Um, he's got, you know, some loaves and fishes in there. And Jesus goes, perfect, we'll use that. And you know the rest of the story. And everybody ate to the fill that day because Jehovah Jireh was on the scene, God in the flesh. So Jesus said to the disciples, whatever you got, bring it. Whatever you got, bring it. And here is the danger. This is what happens. How often do we disqualify or discredit what we have, what God's put in our hands because we don't think it's enough? I don't have enough time to be a good parent. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough gifts or talents or whatever it is. The point is, I don't have enough. You don't have enough, but he does. And when we put it in his hands, he is more than enough because he is Jehovah Jireh. Amen? And that's what we're called to do today. Whatever you've got, bring it. And you have the opportunity today to join the long line of men and women who took whatever they had and and put away every excuse in the book and said, whatever I got, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring my gift. And we talked about how this campaign is a mix of our time and our talent and our treasure. Every gift is different, but every gift matters to God. And some of you, God has blessed you financially. And what is in your hands is more than enough that you need. And you can go above and beyond which is the whole point of this campaign. We're not going to rob from our general fund to pay for the capital improvements. We're not going to do that. It's above and beyond. And some of you, there is a gaping void in your heart and a dissatisfaction in your life because your fists are so tightly clenched around everything that you have. And there is a reason that Jesus talks about money and possessions in the Bible more than heaven and hell combined because he loves you. 
How much more does he love you? He says it to you because money gets its hooks in you and you start to trust in something that's always going to let you down other than the God who created you. Above and beyond. Some of you can do that this morning. God's calling you to do that. For some of you, you're not at that place. And we're not asking you to give beyond your means or what you can do to take care of your family. But maybe it's taking a step of faith and saying, 1%. 5%. We've never done this tithing thing before. 10%. And, 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 and taking a step of faith. Some of you are, I can't give financially today. It's your time and your talent. It's what you're giving. It's the way that you love. It's the way that you serve. It's the way that you pray. It's the way that you parent. It might not even be in these walls. In fact, you've already been doing it. <laughs> and as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, I cannot tell you, Pastor Brian and I just spend a lot of time thinking and talking about you <laughs> in a good way. Because we love you. You are an incredible church. And it is such an honor to be a part of this, to be your pastors. We won't take it for granted one day. Just this morning, walking around and seeing the church being the church is a beautiful thing. You're shining your light. You're already doing it. The way that you serve, the, the people that come and serve on the food line every single week, and you know who you are, and you get here before anybody else, and you leave after everybody else has left. Those that are serving our children and students in the nursery and Hope Elam Kids and student ministry right now, nobody will ever see them, and that's not why they do it. They do it because they love your kids. Because you're in, those on our care team, make sure nobody sits alone. Those that, that go up and greet people. Those on our prayer team that are here every week. Those that serve and worship, I'm going to leave somebody out. The way that you as a church love every single person that walks through those doors. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, Pastor John, do you, how, how's the campaign going? Do you think it's going to be a success? And I go, it already is. They're like, did I miss it? Did we give all the money? No, we haven't given any money yet. Raging success. <laughs> because it was never about the money. It was about church whose hearts are all in. And when your heart is all in, the giving will follow. Transformed hearts lead to transformed lives and radical generous giving don't miss the most important thing that is right in front of you and that goes for our children and students as well they've been leading the way you may not know this as we've been talking about money and possessions and here our children and students have been doing that in their programs and talking about generosity and they've been having a little competition you see the jars up there for all the different grades and the kids and the students and well we threw in a little incentive there that if they could win and bring the most in their grade that there might be a pizza party involved and let's just say that got them going and they gave to the tune to the campaign in coins of over six hundred dollars so praise God for that and for the generosity of our kids said we should have had a pizza party for the adults that'd be it that'd be awesome right it's not the amount it's the stories like this from a couple weeks ago a young boy uh, eight years old came to Hope Elam Kids for the first time with his family and it can be scary and yet our leaders up there talking about generosity and giving back to God and in the middle of the program in the middle of her talk he stands up and goes and pulls on her sweatshirt and he says hey I really like it here and she goes, great, that's awesome. And he's like, I was wondering if I could give something to the church. And she's like, yeah. And he goes, like right now. 
can I, can I, can I give it right now? Because the little, the, the dish was up front. And she's like, yeah. And he runs over to his coat. This is his first time here. And he's digging through it. And she's like, oh man, did he lose it? He's digging everywhere. And then he finds it. And he was so proud of himself. And he walked up there and he dropped that coin in that jar. And he was so filled with joy. I really like it here. And if he can do that, what am I doing? Could I take a little bit of his heart and put it in all of us? And that's why in a few moments our kids are going to lead this offering. Why? Because they haven't stopped believing in the power of one small gift. Given with a heart that is wide open to God. Open your heart up to him today. Never underestimate the power of one small gift. Came across a video this past week, and it's not what you expect. It is a flash mob of a symphony. It just shows up, and it all starts in this open square because one small child decided to give and bring whatever she had. Whatever you got, bring it. Take a look. All of that because one little girl saw whatever she had and she brought it. And she thought she was going to get a cello solo. And she had no idea that she was about to start a beautiful symphony. Your gift matters. No matter the size, no matter the style, never underestimate what God can do with one simple gift. We've been talking about it for the last month, and it's important to be reminded of where we've been and how we got to this moment. Come on. The sermon is done, so you're not going to get another one. <laughs> but it's good to get a reminder. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? If not here, where? If not now, when? If not us, who? Look around this neighborhood. See what's happening in and throughout this city. What we want most of all is to do God's will. It's to be a place where truly you can come and get help. To give our building partners the opportunity to maximize what they do. That when people come, not only can they be fed, but they can interact with groups and organizations that can help change their lives. That they can experience a people who truly love the Lord and welcomes everyone. It's time. Maybe you're here, and the reason you're here is because of a hug you got from somebody. It's a friendly face that you saw. Maybe you came because you were looking for community, and you found a place that you can plug in. Maybe you're here, and you're just barely scratching the surface of what you know God is going to use you to make an impact in this community. A few weeks ago, three weeks ago, we talked about Pastor John challenged us to answer the call. 
And Hobilam, there's a clarion call. There's a strong request for action. That, that we move collectively. That we shine our light in community. In Acts 2, when everybody used what they had and they brought what they had together, they had all things common. Everybody was provided for. We talked about shining the light with authority. We talked about, listen, being willing to go all in. Being willing to, to commit to, to take what we have and to bring it and say, God, you take it. And to go all in is something that I say, look, come on. In Matthew 28 and 19, it says, go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all the things that I've taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It says, go, so come on, let's go. Let's get to getting, as I heard somebody say. Then we talked about a week ago, if you was here last week, and we was talking about prayer and the prayer and the unity prayer walk and the shout that came forward and the walls that came down from that shout and from the commitment to prayer. The road is clear. God has opened up the door. Malachi 3.10, it says, bring all your tithe and offerings to the storehouse. Say, bring it so that there might be meat in my house. Not for the house, but for the people of God. We ask you to join us, to, to go all in, that we give and we shine our light, even through these earthy, cracked, broken clay jars, that the light of God can shine through us, that others might see his glory. Now is the time, amen? It's time. It's time, and it's that Kairos time. I told you at the beginning that this rope has a beginning and an end. But for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, this rope never ends. To give you a glimpse of how long eternity is, this would go off the stage. I have to buy a much longer rope. Out the worship center, out the doors, surrounding the neighborhood multiple times, surrounding the city of Des Moines, the state of Iowa, our entire nation, and wrapping around the world millions of times, and yet that would just be a glimpse of how long eternity is. And what we're about to do as a church, what our invitation to you is to do, if you didn't bring your gift today, to bring it soon, is to use this moment to make an impact here that's going to make a mark for eternity, to make heaven crowded. Amen? Hope Elam, whatever you got, bring it. It's time. It is time. And comparison is the thief of joy. It doesn't matter how much. It doesn't matter what. It's how you bring it. Bible says he loves a cheerful giver. Listen, fix your heart. If you're going to bring it, fix your heart to go all in and say, God, here it is, and you bring it with joy. It's time. And so just know this, that when you bring it on your commitment card, it's a one lump sum. You can do a two-year pledge. You can do whatever you do. There's the opportunity to bring treasure. There's also an opportunity for time and talent. Absolutely. That's why that's on the card. There is a spot right there, my time and talent. Do not underestimate that. Our deepest prayer is that every single one of you write something down right here, right now. If you need one, we've got folks walking around that can just wave your hand and we'll get you one. We want to make sure every single person has one because what you bring to this church matters, whether you've been coming here forever or it's your first time here. It 
matters. And so in a little bit, what we're going to do is we're going to invite you up. Uh, the children are going to lead us here in a moment. Our ushers in the back have some extra cards. Just wave your hand if you need one, and we'll get those. Yeah, just wave them around so they can see you. We're going to bring those up, and you're going to drop them in one of the four baskets here. And after our kids come up, we're going to let them exit and lead the way. Those of you that are in the balcony, we invite you to come up uh, as well. And uh, we had asked that you just give a little bit of time to those that are here on the lower level so we don't have a traffic jam here. There'll be plenty of time. There's no rush. We're not going anywhere. This is between you and God. There's no pressure. Come when you are ready, but pray about it. Maybe on that time and talent line, it's my prayers, my praise, my love, my smile, my volunteering, my service. Write it down, and we'd love to follow up with you on that. It's between you and God. Drop it in the baskets. Uh, just keep waving your hands. We've got more of the cards. We'll come around and get those to you as well. There's no rush. Take, take your time, and the worship band is going to play for us as well. And then what we invite you to do, we've gotten pretty good at shouting as a church. Wow. And we're going to end with a giant shout of victory as you drop your gift off. Come around the outside. Balcony people, don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss the shout at the end of the song. Just hang around here in the back. Fill in in the pews, get comfortable with somebody, and we're going to stand and sing and worship together. And after we do, we're going to have that giant shout of victory of what God has done. Every single one of us can bring a card, and we're excited to announce yeah. on December 3rd. December 3rd, once we get all the totals in, we'll make certain that we come back and say, here's where we are for now. We know it's a two-year campaign, but we're going to get a snapshot of where we are come December 3rd. So make certain that you're aware of that. When our kiddos come, after they've come and they're done and they're starting to exit, then you'll be able to come so that we don't have the intermingling of our kids, okay? Amen. So I think we're set. Amen. Hope Elam, it's time. Whatever you got, Bring it. Bring it. Let's experience the joy of giving together. Let's have our kids lead the way. And after our kids have led the way, let's stand together and let's sing. Let's worship. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.